0: Welcome to the Impact Sessions, a business podcast hosted by me, Nick Bramley, CEO and Director of Impact at Impactus Group. The Impact Sessions brings you weekly insights and experiences from some of my most valued, trusted and influential business contacts across a range of current, interesting and hopefully thought-provoking subjects designed to give you some practical tips and ideas to drive continued success in your business on this episode i'm delighted to introduce martin avison founder of angel groups angel groups specifically matches businesses looking for investment with angels looking to invest it's got a fascinating insight into how business opportunities can be developed through angel investment and it's unblocking all those myths and ideas around dragon's den shark tank etc hope you enjoy the podcast So on today's podcast, I'm delighted to have as my guest, Martin Averson. Martin is founder of a company called Angel Groups, and he's all about supporting businesses with investment. Uh, particularly works uh, in the small, medium-sized enterprise area. And we're going to explore what that means and some options and opportunities for <coughs> angel investment and other funding uh, rounds for for businesses. So, welcome to
1: the podcast, Martin. Thank you, and thank you for the opportunity to talk to everybody.
0: No problem at all. It's a great subject. <coughs> I'm sure our listeners and viewers will, will, will get some real value from it. So, I'm going to go through a, a number of questions for you. Just feel free to answer as you as you uh, as you want to, and you know, just give us some insights into the whole world of. Uh, of of, of finance and investment in, in our business opportunities. No problem. Excellent. So let's start. Uh, there are there are many forms of, of, of funding available to support businesses. Um, what's your background in the whole kind of business funding and finance arena? How did you get into the kind of area that you're an expert in now?
1: <laughs> I used to be group sales and marketing director in a very large print group. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company was bought out by a big VC company, and I decided that was no longer for me. So I, I left and went out consulting, working for companies, really helping them grow. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I started to help everybody grow, I realized I was putting a real strain on cash flow. So I realized, well, <clears throat> I, I need to resolve that as part of the growth aspect. Mm. So <clears throat> I started working with a few companies, started raising investments. One of them was instrumental in changing my life, mm. uh, the process that I went through. Uh, that led to me going do, doing a master's around investment. Uh, Uh, So therefore, not only could I help companies grow, but I wanted to be able to bring expertise around how we actually funded those early stage growth pains that so many companies have.
0: Well, yeah, like you say, it's interesting uh, about putting the pressure on... As, as an expert in trying to help them to grow in the first place, you're actually creating a problem initially without having the solution there. So it, it, that light bulb moment must have been quite an interesting time for you.
1: <clears throat> it, it certainly was. And the first time I raised investment uh, that I became involved with the business, I was one of its main directors. And we, uh, uh, I was stood in front of a room. It was up in Edinburgh. Uh, we had 15 very high net worths in the room. And we were asking everybody for £100,000 each. Mm. And we came to the end of the session. We were very confident we were getting investment because we were the only business pitching. Uh, And I was doing the pitch. And we asked everybody for this money. And anyway, we got to the end of the session and somebody raised a glass of wine and said, we're in. Mm. So uh, I went up to the governor of the Bank of Scotland, Bill, and I said, thank you, Bill. Thanks for your £100,000. And Mm. he says, not a problem, Martin. He says, tell me, what do you do? And I said, well, Really? I said, Well, that's a fascinating question, Bill. I says, Do you often give a hundred thousand pounds to some of them without knowing what we're doing? And he says, Oh, all the time. He says, And I guarantee if you go around the room, they won't know what you do either. Wow. So being an entrepreneur, because you know, guys, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm just like you. I'm growing a business. I have a plan to have 40 angel investment groups across the UK. Mm. I'm on a journey. I've just brought an investment myself, uh, angel investment. I'm on a journey just like you. So I understand the path that you're going. Mm. So anyway, I'd had this conversation with Bill. Bill said, they won't know what you do either. And I went around the room, came back to Bill and said, okay, you're right. Two of them have had a vague idea of what we did. Yeah. I said, so what just happened? I says, why have you all just given me collectively one and a half million pounds, but you don't know what we do? Mm. I says, what was that decision criteria? What made you choose us? And he says, oh, that's easy, Martin. He says, people. Right. Always team. He says, it's the quality of people that deliver product, Mm. service. He says, you can have the best idea in the world. It will just sit there without the right people to do it. He says, now, if you look around the people around the room and we had... <clears throat> the chairman of Scottish Widows, the chairman of Lloyd's Bank, we had these some real high net worths in the room, but yes. experienced people. He says, they don't understand technology necessarily, yeah. Martin. He says, but they all understand good people. Yeah, He says, and you've put yourself together a great team. He said, so we are investing in you as a team.
0: So you de-risked their, their investment by the quality of the, the people that are going to run that investment for them. Yes. Yeah, okay. That's an interesting approach. Yeah, you would have thought they'd have been a bit more rigorous on the, you know, let's have a look at the intricacies of your business plan, your financial forecast. But I guess that would come later, wouldn't it?
1: Well, they'd have that information. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting that he hadn't read it. And mm. It certainly would have looked at the numbers. Yeah. But what they're really interested in is the people. And what you've got to bear in mind the kind of investors that we had in the room on that day and not the kind of investors I put in a room.
0: No, okay. Those
1: are what we call super passive.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and what Bill had explained to me, so when I did my master's, I went back and interviewed Bill and a number of people in the room and they all said, Martin, the way we perceive it is you're an asset class. Mm. We're investing in you as if we're investing in property, yeah. wine, art, etc. And we know that by investing in a number of businesses, that we will get a 2.3 times return on mm. our total investment. We're just investing.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, we'll explore the angel investment piece in a second for you, because that's a fascinating business and a business model as well. Um, stats say that a lot of businesses go bust for cash flow more than probably any other reason. Um, so why do you think cash flow management such a challenge, especially for small, medium-sized businesses, why do you think that is is an area of of, of, uh, of real sort of difficulty for some of them?
1: Uh, firstly, maybe a lack of experience in, in running business uh, and managing cash flow, but it's also uh, with the greatest respect, and I've, I've got to be talking here in the broadest of terms because mm-hmm. I'm not talking to any individual company when I say this, just yeah. my experience is, is that people deploy cash in the wrong areas. Right. So what people tend to do, is uh, and i wish i could speak to the world before they started a business yes yeah oh i could save them so much pain mm-hmm. but what they do is they go out and they try to and build a solution a technology and it's the wrong approach right you must validate your market first mm. because what they do is they develop a product a solution for something that they're assuming the customer wants but the customer may not want all those 10 points mm. they may only want two points mm. Well, if they only want two of the 10, we've now only got to fund two of the
0: 10. It's a lot cheaper to fund two solutions than 10, isn't it?
1: It certainly is. And it's a lot quicker yeah. and it's a lot easier on cash flow. And it means that we don't maybe need six people to develop 10 strains of a product. Yeah. We only need maybe one or two. So the whole thing, it's around creating that minimal viable product mm. yeah, and managing that cash flow tightly.
0: But is also going back, uh, one of the earlier guests, I think Richard, um, Richard Hall from PDM, I think on, on podcast number two, was talking about product design innovation and making sure that your product is designed to fit a solution. It's not a product that you then think, I've, I've got something here, do you want to buy it? So you, you've you absolutely corroborated that from a financial point of view as well as from his design perspective on podcast too. So that's quite interesting as well. Solving a problem that doesn't exist doesn't help you do it at all
1: doesn't help at all. And as I always use the analogy, Microsoft launched version one, not version 10. You don't have to launch the perfect product. You're much better off, certainly from a valuation point of view, you're much better off actually creating those initial sales and proving that there is a customer Mm. that will pay the price Mm. that you want to charge, that has the problem that you think that they have, and that validates your plan, your financials and everything Mm. you're able to put in front of an investor.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You're better off getting off the mark rather than procrastinating and thinking it through because you haven't really got a business until you've, you've made some inroads into a marketplace, have you?
1: Um, I see that so many times where people have spent a huge amount of money just trying to develop the product, the perfect solution. Mm. And I, I'll say to them, well, who's your customer? And they'll say, well, we've not spoken to anybody yet. And it's kind of, and, and the reason is, is nobody likes to be told their baby's ugly.
0: no. That's that's a theme we've had before as well. You know, it's it's I'm putting my life and soul and my heart into this, and it must be right because I've put my life and soul and and my heart into it. Well, it's not right until it's validated, is it?
1: So start by validating it and then just give them the bit that they're wanting Mm. rather than the bit that you assume that they need.
0: Mm. I'm going to ask you for not a stat, but just an anecdote really around numbers. Um, Lack of access to funding can also stifle growth, innovation, development, or entrepreneurial ambition in some cases. Um, How many businesses have you seen over the years that, that really are, Capable of much greater performance if they had knowledge of or access to the right funding support.
1: It, it's it's not just a question of funding. Uh, yes. I, 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 I live in a world where sometimes what you're doing is you're giving people a ticket to go to the races. You're giving them the chance to fulfill the dream. And it's such a fantastic job to be in. I meet great people. Mm. I learn so much about so many different industries. It's wonderfully exciting. It's a great thing to be involved in. But giving people money alone, to me, is not the solution. Mm. You need to give them the grey hair, the support, Mm. to help them actually on that journey. Uh, Because that's absolutely key. Because otherwise... There is a tendency to take the money and just develop tech, just yeah. develop technology. And we don't just work with technology companies. I'll work with engineering, manufacturing, any sector. Yeah? But it's got to be about developing and scaling a business. And it's very hard for maybe people who are on the first track of doing that. Mm. They need some grey hair and wisdom around them from people that have done it, been there, and can just help guide.
0: Okay, that makes sense, actually. But let's take you back to setting up Angel Group. She started in uh, Angel Group in Leeds, I think about five years ago, Correct. Uh, uh, Martin, would that be right? Um, so what was the thinking behind that? Why did you choose Leeds and how did it go in the early days?
1: Uh, Leeds was a simple solution because I'm from Leeds. Uh, Leeds Lab born and bred, yep. as the tone of my voice uh, probably gives it away. <laughs> uh, so uh, why Leeds? Because it's had an established angel group, uh, an organization called YABBA, mm-hmm. the Orchestra Association of Business Angels, that closed. Yes. So it had no uh, solution and it just happened to fit in perfectly with the timing of where I was at the time.
0: Was that five years ago that you have a shot? Was it? That- it
1: was probably yeah, five six years wow. ago. Okay. Yeah, so it was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I basically decided, well, here's an opportunity. It's something I'll else, but I wanted to disrupt the market. Mm. So the challenge with the angel fraternity, as I see it at this moment in time, there are organisations out there, but they work for the investor. Mm. I don't work for the investor. I okay. work for the business. Okay. Do so, you want to
0: explain the angel group concept then for people who may be listening to this and they've got an idea, but your know, terminology, you've got your investor, you've got your business, et cetera. Just talk about the angel concept.
1: Okay. So firstly, what is an angel? Mm. Okay. So an angel is an individual Uh, Usually they can invest on their own or as syndicates, which is a group of angels coming together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like the program Dragon's Den, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we call them angels, not dragons, but it's the same concept. So it's an experienced business person. And what tends to happen with an angel uh, is is an angel is, is cashed out. They've made money, they're very experienced, but they used to be busy people. Uh, uh, and all of a sudden they've gone home, somebody's paid them a load of money, they're sat with £20, £30 million in the bank account, they've got lots of spare time and capacity, and and they want to be someone again. Mm. They're missing that.
0: Yeah, the day-to-day cut and thrust of being in business or involved in something meaningful.
1: Yeah, and... So to have something to talk about down the golf club and anything else, and it's kind of, I want to open up my previous contact supply chain. I want to be still part of that industry, that sector that I came from. Mm. So they see a business that they think to themselves, you know, I can make a difference to these guys. Mm. I can accelerate them more in 12, 18 months than they can do in five years.
0: But not just with cash.
1: But not just cash. And I can do that, not because they've got a magic wand. Mm. Yeah, it's just because... They're probably like me, they're in the 50s, they're in the 60s, they've got lots of experience, they've got a big black book because of their age, Hmm. and they can help. Hmm. And and they'd love to help. It's not just about, it's not just about investment. They actually want to give their time, they want to help businesses succeed.
0: Okay, I'll come back to that a little bit later. you started with one angel group in Leeds, obviously city of, of your birth, and yes. Leeds, Leeds for those who are listening internationally, is, is uh, you know, a big commercial city uh, in the north of England, and it's got a, uh, it's probably the second or third largest economy outside of London. So, you know, a good place to start. Five years down the line, where's angel groups now in terms of geography and numbers?
1: Okay, so we're now in five different cities. Mm-hmm. So we're in Sheffield, yep. uh, we're in Leeds, we're in York, mm-hmm. we're in Hull, and we're in Lincoln.
0: Okay, so all north of England based. All yeah. north
1: of England. We have a plan to have about 40 groups across England. Mm-hmm. Now, why? Why is it that we've chosen to do that than rather than just going like a crowdfunding methodology? Yeah. The difference is significant in the two, and it's the first thing that I say when a business comes to me. What are you looking for from an investment point of view? If you're looking just for money, Mm. then maybe the passive route, which is crowdfunding, you don't get to meet your investors. In fairness, you you don't even know who your investors are, but they will invest, maybe hundreds of people will invest relatively small amounts of money in your Mm. business that gives you the cash to go do what you want. Mm. Personally, I, I don't buy into that methodology because giving people money without experience doesn't always work.
0: Well, the risks are so much more associated with that approach, aren't they really? If you're giving somebody money and they're inexperienced, there's every chance that's going to have more challenges and more risks than somebody going down an angel route.
1: And I've Mm. just raised money for my own business to be able to scale what I'm doing. And I brought in three people to my business to Mm -hmm. help me do what what I'm doing. So I'm 55 and people might listen to what I'm doing, a growth expert, uh, funding, but... I still bring another grey hair around me Mm. to help me achieve and do what I need to do.
0: So the added value is not just the money, far from it. It's actually the experience and expertise and and black book and contacts that go with that, yeah?
1: It is, but the key key point that, you know, why have we gone for local groups? And we now go back to the interest of the angel. So uh, I'll take a business over to Hull or to Lincoln, maybe from Leeds to pitch. But some of the guys may like it, from an investment point of view, but mm. they may turn around and go, if this was in Hull, I'd invest. Mm. And I'll go, well, why don't you invest? Because it's not local. I want to put my money into the local, where I am from, I right. want to create local jobs, local wealth. Mm. And that's why angels invest. The research is unequivocal in this. Angels invest within a 50-mile radius of where they
0: live. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. So
1: we have different groups to appoint, to, to attract different regions, mm where people can put money back into a local economy, create local jobs, local wealth, and make sure that their hometowns, of which they're all passionate about, yeah. can grow and benefit. Yeah,
0: because I guess some of these angels, they're really well associated with their city or their town, their location. They're probably involved in you know lots of additional... Uh, external uh, uh, kind of appointments you know maybe chambers of commerce chambers of trade uh, presidents of you know, various associations so it makes sense then doesn't it they want to give back to that particular city or location so hence the business plan
1: they they just want to help yeah uh, they're just they're so pleased to be. I mean a, a very brief digression here but I remember I'd, I'd gone over to Hull which is a a city on the coast within England North Yorkshire and uh I'd spoken to a business one morning on the phone because he was wanting to come and pitch. And I said to him, and I won't give any names, but he said to me, uh, I said, how's it going? And he says, oh, it's awful. Mm. And I said to him, I'm oh, sorry to hear that. Why, what's wrong? And he says, well, I've run out of cash. Mm. I've, I'm going to be evicted out of my house. He says, my wife's left me. He says, and the business has got no money.
0: Having a tough day. I,
1: and I said to him, I said, well, I says, that's a bad day in anybody's books. I says, give me 24 hours. Yeah. And he said, Why? And I says, well, just give me $24, hours. i will come back to you. Mm. So I sent an email out to the investors across Hull, yeah. Within two minutes, I got my first response. Mm. My first response was a guy phoned me and he says, Martin, ask me to come and see me tomorrow morning. Mm. So I says, right, okay. He didn't ask me his name. He didn't ask me what he did. Yeah. I just explained in my email that an entrepreneur, one of us, had hit a bump in the road. Yeah. Quite a major one, and he needed help. Mm. Phone rang again two minutes later. Another good friend of mine, an investor in Hull, owns over 300 properties, said to me, Martin, tell him. He says, I'll give him a place to live. He can move in next week. He can have it free for a year. Mm. He says, and tell him if he wants a job, I'll give him it on Monday, but we'll also have a look at his business and see if we can help invest. Wow. He went to see the first investor the following morning. The guy just said to him, he says, Martin never told me your full name. So he told him his name. He says, well, there's a check on me. And he gave him £10,000. He gave him it as a gift. Wow. And he says, "Now you're not homeless." Mm. He says, "Tell me about your business." Yeah. He says, "Oh, and by the way, I can't help about your wife." He says, "That's what's. One,
0: that's one thing I can't solve." But the pressure points of being homeless, cash flow problems, etc., will have stifled his thinking. It would have stifled his entrepreneurial spirit. It would have been all-consuming, I would imagine. So, just simply by taking that pressure point off, that makes a massive difference to that entrepreneur state of mind and potential for that entrepreneur to then turn things around with that big bump in the road, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. So there's much more to it than that. Um, you touched on earlier about Dragon's Den. So Dragon's Den has got an equivalent show in the U.S. for anyone listening from the U.S. called Shark Tank. And it's where you get these angel investors sat there and they've got a big pile of cash in front of them, which I always think, I once saw a comedy sketch, I think it was Michael McIntyre, saying it looks a bit rude and I've got a pile of cash and this is what you can have type thing. Um, is that is that Dragon's Den Shark Tank kind of approach to investment, is that a really true reflection of how it works? It just seems it seems like they want to get loads of percentage shares in the business for very little. And it just seems like the people who are going on those kind of shows as looking for investment nearly always have to cave in on what their original ambitions were. Talk us through your take on a A reality TV show, which effectively it is, but with a a bit of an angel twist.
1: I think that's you hit the nail on the head. It's a TV show. It's there to create entertainment. Mm. So I'll never forget, a good friend of mine actually went on to pitch on the show. Uh, One of the angels, one of the dragons, made a comment, and uh, Deborah Meadon turned around and stopped production, and she said, we didn't pick up that comment. It was very negative. Can we roll the cameras again? It was there for entertainment. right. my friend was horrified that I'd done the pitch. But even the lift isn't real at the beginning of Dragon's Den. It's just a room, apparently. They walk through to get to where the dragons are sat.
0: Right. So the lift is all about creating (coughs) the illusion of sort of aspirational, sort of, (laughs) yeah, going up to the top floor
1: type Uh, thing. Yeah. So uh, having said that, Uh, if one of those dragons were to get involved in a business, can they make a difference? 1,000% yes. Mm. These are very, very experienced people. Yes. Now, and whilst if you took the TV cameras away, which was, it's there to make entertainment, there to make a program, it's there for a separate reason. We don't do that. That's not what we're about at all.
0: No TV cameras in an angel meeting. There's
1: no TV cameras, even though we are just about to start filming the pictures for our own TV channel. Mm. So that's something separate, but we're not... There for the, for the benefit of, of an individual angel's ego. Yes, were there to help support the business, mm. and I don't want to take away from the fact that you know, would would I if Peter Jones had come to me and said to me, Martin, I'll invest and help your business. Would I say no? No, of course I wouldn't. Mm. You know, what a great guy and what great value he can bring. But the two things are separate in my mind.
0: But you'd, but you'd have to give up a lot more of your percentage assets in the business for a Peter Jones investment for a TV show than you'd probably want to in the first instance. Would that be fair? Uh,
1: yes, it, it is fair. But I think what you've also got to do is you've got to be able to value the person that is actually bringing that cash. Mm. So... Uh, because of the, the tax reliefs, S-E-I-S and E-I-S. So I'll touch on those briefly. Mm. So if a business qualifies for tax relief, it's it, the tax relief, you as the business have to register, mm. but it is the angel investor that benefits. Mm. So if you qualify for S-E-I-S, the Seed Entrepreneurs Investment Scheme, which means you want less than £150,000 when you're less than two years of age. Mm. The most an angel can invest in any one year is 100,000. Mm. So if I put 100,000 into your business, I get 50,000 pounds back next year off my tax bill.
0: Right. Okay.
1: So if you're an EIS business, that means Entrepreneurs Investment Scheme. So the other one's seed for early stage companies. This one's for companies older than two years, mm. wanting more than 150,000. Mm. I put in up to a million a year, HMRC mm. allows me. I again get 30% back.
0: Right. Okay. So there's a massive win win then, isn't there? Yeah.
1: I don't pay capital gains on the upside, mm-hmm. yes, and if a business were to close with SEIS, I get back about 74p in the pound through tax benefits.
0: So actually, despite the fact that it looks to the outsider that there's a fairly sizable risk to an angel, those risks are very much mitigated by the tax breaks and uh, HMRC uh, uh, benefits here. And I'm I'm guessing that there'll be similarities in in other countries that that, uh, try to encourage entrepreneurial spirit, really. But obviously you're an expert in the UK sort of schemes. Yeah, I
1: couldn't couldn't tell you about any others, but they do that here within the UK and it's because these early stage businesses, uh, how else are they gonna get funding? Mm. Uh, They need uh, private money to come in, and the only way to do that, HMRC recognise this and to encourage this, they're giving the investor uh, tax breaks.
0: Okay. Well, you mentioned earlier a little bit, you touched on it, about the grey hairs, as you call them. Um, Apart from the money, what else would would a, a really good angel bring to my business or any of the listeners' businesses if they are looking for investment talk me through some examples of the kind of things that a really good angel would do for and with a business to make it a really value proposition for the business owner because the business owner's gonna have to give up a percentage of their income a uh, percentage of their uh, um, uh, business for that investment is that right
1: well they're selling <coughs> a share in their business right so entrepreneurs often use the time we're giving it away mm. you're not giving it away. If mm. you're giving it away, my name's Martin Avison, you'll find me down in Leeds, come and give me it. Mm. Of course you're not giving it away. Right. You're selling a piece of paper, and that piece of paper says that that person is going to own 10%, 20%, whatever that figure happens to be. Yeah. What they're doing, a condition under SEIS and EIS, is that they must have the same class of share. Mm. They can't have any preferential statement. Yeah. But another condition is they must stay invested for a minimum of three years. Okay. So you've now got a person involved in your business for a minimum of three years. Mm. You're not paying them. Right. So what you've got to do is build into that percentage. You've got to make it worthwhile. Yeah. So you imagine this investor. He's made $20 million, $30 million. He's sat at home. And you've got to motivate him. Mm. And you turn around and say, Well, what we want you to do is we want to raise a million pounds for 1%. Mm. Well, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because what he gets as a return isn't going to motivate him. Mm. Now, what you're doing is thinking to yourself, you're comparing it potentially, maybe to a crowdfunding passive money. Yeah. You're not getting any help. Yeah. This guy coming on, or lady coming onto your board as a non-exec, as a chair to help grow your business massively impacts on how the outside world now looks at your business. Mm. You're not paying them. Mm. They're involved for a minimum of three years. Your chance of success has massively increased because of their involvement. What can they do depends on the person you choose. They may Mm. be a a market expert, marketing expert. They may just have a great black book in your sector. They may be a chairman. They may be a financial director. Your job is to choose and often with a syndicate, you can bring in two or three investors to actually build your team. Mm. But in having now built your team, your valuation increases.
0: So not only that, but your perception to the outside world, the ability to win better and bigger contracts because of the connections you've got, because of the, the quality of your board. And I guess it's down to the business owner to choose the right mix of of angel. You know, would a business owner be encouraged to turn down potential angel investment because the angel's not the right fit. How does that work?
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's a two-way process and, and guys, you mustn't forget that. Mm. <clears throat> Sometimes we sit there and you're kind of you're that keen and eager to get the investment in. But what you've got to decide is, are these the right people for me? Mm. And the best way I would say it is go to the pub. Mm. Yeah. Get to know them, get them relaxed, go see some of the other investments that they've done. Mm. Walk into the room, and if when you walk in, if somebody shouts across the room to the investor, "Hey Jim, we beat you at football last night, didn't we? Three one." <laughs> yeah. Then it's you know there's a good mood. There's a, uh, but if everybody puts their head down.
0: Yeah, Jim, then, Jim's here.
1: Jim, oh bloody hell, he's here! You know, yeah. it's kind of oh well. You know, maybe it starts to raise questions. Yeah,
0: when when Jim or Jane are walking the shop floor, if everybody's kind of avoiding eye contact, you probably think to yourself, culturally, that might not be the right fit for me.
1: Absolutely. So it's very much a two-way process. So you need to get to know them. Don't rush it. Yeah. Yeah, don't rush it. Is
0: there a matrix then that you would say? And I I guess it's probably not even as scientific as that because I've had a guest on earlier in the podcast series was talking about sort of gut instinct and 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 whatever is there a matrix that you go into in terms of saying like a scorecard we'll score the need for the 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 investment with the black book of the contacts the expertise in our sector and the cultural fit and the personality of the angel you know is, is there something as scientific as that or is it just very much a base of saying you know we're looking for investment we we have no uh, uh, negativity towards this angel, let's go for it. Or is it more scientific? How, what would you, what would your view be when you are talking about, you know, like a scorecard or a matrix that says what, what, what wins, what, over what?
1: Angel investment is the only kind of funding, the only kind of funding that's not rules based. Mm. You go to a bank, rules. Yeah. Yeah. Compliance. Yeah. Yeah. You go to a VC, rules, compliance. You go to any other kind of funding organization. And why? Because the person you're speaking to is giving you someone else's money. Mm. When you're dealing with an angel, it's theirs. They can do what they want. Mm. And it astounds me how many times the angel, like Bill, thinks with their heart and not necessarily their head. Mm. So they can go on a first impression. They think, yes, I can make a difference, Mm. and they want to help. Then it's m- as much about chemistry as anything else. Do you feel comfortable with these people? We've had sessions where literally uh, four or five angels have gone to syndicate. They've gone to see a business. Then the business has phoned me and said, Martin, we had a great meeting, but we didn't like one of them. Mm. So we'd like to go ahead with the four, but not the fifth. Yeah. Could you please tell the fifth that we're no longer it. Well, that's part of my job. Uh,
0: (laughs) Wow, there's a hand grenade for you, isn't it? Just drop that one in, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that's part of my my job is to build a syndicate. My job is to create value and make it work. Hmm. But the fundamental thing is where most businesses go wrong is they're not investor ready. Hmm. So they don't go to the angel with a proposition so the angel can say yes or no. And the business goes away with a load of questions. Right. So our job is to get them ready.
0: So you work on both sides there, don't you? You're working on getting the business ready for engine investment and you're working on understanding the right mix and the right, black book and the right investors who might be the right fit for them so that's that's quite that's really interesting for you isn't it on a day-to-day basis but you love your job don't you i do
1: and uh, whilst the audience can't see me my waistline just gets bigger all the time because i do spend a lot of time having lunches with angels yeah uh, to try and facilitate deals and contacts and make things happen because
0: I, they'll be nice restaurants though won't uh, there? well
1: they can be nice restaurants <laughs> yes they can but I, I don't mind as long as they're picking up the bill
0: yeah okay well Angel investment aside, you also support businesses in the UK around understanding the whole sort of grant funding, access to tax credits for research development, that kind of thing. So for UK podcast subscribers, um, are there still a lot of funding options out there for a business who's looking to expand and grow?
1: Well, I, do you know, I feel sorry for businesses, for founders, mm. Because the funding landscape is constantly changing. Mm. Just when you think you get used to a set of products and services, something changes, mm. and it's difficult for someone like me to keep abreast of what's going on. And that's a fundamental part of my job. And
0: I'm gonna say that, that that's your day to day job. So, and if you, it's hard for you, then yeah, it must be really challenging for someone who's dipping into it.
1: Absolutely. But the first thing I do is again, I work for the business, not the angel. Mm. OK, so my job in working for a business is to explore what other forms of funding are available so you don't have to sell shares. Yes. So if I can find other ways that we can fund things, I'm always going to look at that as part of the mix. OK. Now, inevitably, I'm, I'm not going to look at a £5,000 grant for help you with software development from a local uh, enterprise partnership, a LEP, uh, which is local government for anybody that's maybe not in the yeah. UK listening to this. Uh, What I am going to do is maybe help you put an application in to do an Innovate UK or a Horizon 2020, which is big R&D grant funding.
0: Right, for real proper development work or product development or manufacturing, that kind of thing.
1: For real R&D. Yeah. But as part of that, that's always match funding. So for you to be able to get grants you need to be able to find other cash to match it. And that's where the angel works with it
0: perfectly. Right, yeah. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an amalgamated sort of solution then on that basis, yeah. It is. Okay. It is. Well, listen, I'm conscious of time for, for the podcast listeners. We, we always keep these to, a, you know, a, a sort of 30, 35 minutes or so. I've got a final question for you, Martin. I would say, what would your advice be to a business and a business owner who might be a little bit like most people would say business owners are often control freaks, frustrated control freaks or otherwise. What would your advice be to a business owner who has got a really good opportunity to expand, but is a bit nervous about engaging other people in their business? In other words, handing over a little element of control. What would your advice be to those people?
1: There's no rights and wrongs. Uh, I mean, It comes down to the individual and what you think uh, uh, will lack of funding hamper your growth? Will it hamper your scalability? Uh, Or have you, I was was talking to a a recently exited angel who was chairman of a big company, sold out to PepsiCo. And uh, I was talking to him recently and he told me that the management team had changed uh, several, every three years, the management team tends to change within a business. Mm. Now, If you imagine your initial team as a founder will get you to a point, but then if you want to go international, you maybe need different skills. Mm. So you can't, as a founder, do everything. Now, if you choose to try and do everything you are the person that's hampering your growth. Mm. Your mindset is the thing that's hampering your growth. Now, you may make the argument to me, and it's a very justified argument, by the way, that, Martin, I'm quite happy being the size of business I am. Mm. Great. Well done. Congratulations. Nothing wrong with that.
0: Yes, stick to it.
1: Absolutely. You do that. Mm. However, if you really want to scale what you've got, you need people. Mm. You need expertise. You need cash. Yeah. And those come at a price. They'll either come as debt which means you're giving personal guarantees and that's up to you if you want. I can't advise on that. Uh, Or you're going to go equity and you'll go either crowdfunding or you'll go active because you want that extra support and to be able to to go international or do the other things to strengthen your team.
0: Okay, that's really, really good advice. I once worked with a client. I was doing uh, some sales development work with them. And uh, they were turning over sort of 1.8 million pounds and he had ambitions to get to 2.5 and I'd done the analysis and some work with him, work with their team. He said, What do I need to do to get my business from 1.8 to 2.5 million? I said, You need to give up because you're the you're the barrier to success. You know, micromanaging the life out of everything doesn't mean you're gonna grow your business. So that's quite an interesting analogy as well. I never thought of passive and active, you know, passive being the the, the crowdfunding, active being the angel investment. That's been really fascinating, Martin. I'm sure our listeners have had an insight into finance and funding options and things. And uh, your contact details will be on the end of the podcast for everyone to, to to find you if they want to do that. You're active on LinkedIn. I know that's the case. So um, anybody be able to see that. So that's really been fascinating. I really enjoyed having you as a podcast guest, Martin. Thank you for being here this morning. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll see if our guests are inspired by that content. and I'm sure there will be.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for listening, everybody.
0: No problem. Thank you. Great to see you again.